Father God, as we come now to hear your word, we pray that you would align our hearts with Christ, our cornerstone. Lord, as your word is read, speak to our hearts and give us fresh understanding of what you say to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please do be seated, and Wendy's going to come and bring us our reading this morning, which is from John chapter 4, beginning at the first verse. John chapter 4 and verse 1. Good morning. Jesus talks with a Samarian woman. The Pharisees heard that Jesus was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized his disciples. When the Lord learned of this, he left Judea and went once more back to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar. Near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, said the the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, all who drink this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are not right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands and the man you now now have is not your husband. What you have said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on the mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship when you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. 
for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, I who speak to you am he. <clears throat> Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why, why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything, everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Many Samaritans believed. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. want to pray for Dan but I have a question for you before I do and that is what were you doing 236 days ago? I can tell you what I was doing, I was sat on a balcony overlooking in the Canary Islands in First Ventura overlooking the warm waters of the south of the mid-Atlantic with the palm trees wafting in the breeze and the rest of you were here at Dan's licensing in the freezing cold. <laughs> So it's been eight months we've had Dan and Julia with us, and it seems to me, in the best possible way, it's been a lot longer. <laughs> I hope that's a good thing. And aren't we so blessed and privileged to have them with us? So it's a joy to be able to pray for Dan as he brings God's word to us. Let's just pray. Father, I thank you that your story has become our story. Help us this morning to embed that story in our lives, that we may live it and tell it for your glory. Speak your words to us by your Holy Spirit. As Dan speaks to us, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nigel. Well, this morning, uh, I wanted to begin by sharing with you one of uh, my great passions in life. Uh, after a really busy day, or when a load of stuff has been going on uh, in, in work, uh, and I get home, uh, one of the things I need to do to kind of de-stress and decompress is sit down in front of the telly uh, and just watch some rubbish that will kind of entertain me, distract me, take me to a different place and allow me to just relax and unwind. Uh, and my go-to TV programme is the programme that uh, I love most and it's only Fools and Horses. The comic genius of John Sullivan is just extraordinary. And I know so many of the scripts off by heart, but I just love sitting down in front of the telly, pressing go, and just relaxing and unwinding. 
You see, one of the characters in that show, Uncle Albert, he's the old guy with the great big white beard and a bald head. He's the, the, the uncle of the two uh, brothers, uh, Del and Rodney. Uh, and he's a, a wonderful uh, character in this show. Uh, and he spent a lot of his life out at sea on the Navy. And he's now living with his two uh, uh, nephews in this flat in, in, in London. Uh, and whenever he begins a story, he always utters the priceless words during the war. And afterwards, he would then regale uh, the family of, of stories of his escapades out at sea. Well, I happen to know that uh, whenever I sit down with my family, or my extended family, and I start to tell a story, uh, I will invariably use the words, when I was in Africa, or when I was on the ship. Uh, and it's become such a standard joke that my kids take the mick out of me all the time. And in fact, when we're sitting down eating, and I'm about to launch into something, they'll t say the words before I get around to saying it. But you see, the reason I do that is because my time out in Africa on the ship was such a life-changing experience that it completely turned my world upside down. It changed and defined something of who I am today, those experiences back then. Uh, and so I love to be able to talk about those things because it's the place where I met Jesus and he turned my life upside down. And so I get really passionate about telling stories about how Jesus has changed my life and how uh, it was beforehand and now how it is now that I know him. And you know, we always talk about the things that we love. I wonder if you can remember back to the time when you first met your partner and you were completely in love with them. You loved everything about them. Uh, and you would tell your friends, oh, she did this, or he did that, or she's like this, or he's like that. It's just so wonderful, and your friends get sick and tired of hearing about your partner. Or maybe when you first-time parents have got this new bundle of joy, uh, and they take pictures of the baby at every moment of their development, or videos, and they're posting it on social media. It's as if there has never been any other child on earth. Their first steps, the first words that they utter, and they tell you all the time. It's what you do when you love someone or something. You talk about them. You can't help but do that. Do you know people who love sport? If you do, I'm sure that you've been sick and tired of them talking about rugby over the last couple of weeks. There's only another month or so of it to go. <clears throat> but maybe it's the football or the latest score or the latest signing. Or perhaps you've met people who've come across an amazing deal and they tell everybody about it. You've got to go and buy X because it's only this price and it's just such a good deal. Or maybe it's a, a company, a service company that's provided a service to you and you've been so bowled over by their customer service that you can't help but talk to people about it because it's been so good and good customer service is such a rarity these days. Or maybe it's somebody that is so passionate about their work 
that they just got to tell other people about what happened last week because they're so in love with it. You see, Jesus said, it's out of the overflow of your heart that the mouth speaks. What comes out of your heart, that what comes out of your mouth displays something of what your heart has been captured by, what you're in love with. Whether it's your partner, your spouse, your uh, newborn child, your work, your hobbies, the things that we love, we talk about. You can't help but do that. Let me ask you the question. Do you talk about Jesus to other people? Has Jesus captured your heart in such a way that you can't help but talk about him and the difference that he's made in your life? Do you love him enough to be able to talk to him to others? You see, over the last few weeks, we've been embarking on this series about developing a faith-sharing culture and thinking about practices, things that we can practice that will help develop a faith-sharing culture. In week one, we talked about experiencing the embrace of the Father. In week two, we talked about uh, praying for three. And I gave you these little cards and asked you to write down the names of three people that you wanted to pray for to see come to know Jesus. And then last week, we talked about asking good questions. And this week, week four, it's the practice of telling stories, gossiping the gospel. You see, deep down inside us, all of us yearn to be connected to something bigger, to have a story that makes sense of our lives, that gives some importance or meaning or purpose to who we are and the way that we live. Because all of us long to be part of something much bigger than just my little life and what I do. We all live in a story, and all of us have been shaped by some kind of dominant story. Is the story that most shapes your life and identity the redemptive story of God as revealed in the Bible? Or is it a story from some other place in our culture? from a dysfunctional background or a stack of lies that we've come to believe to be true? What is the primary narrative of your life? What we believe about God, what he is like, will ultimately determine what we believe about ourselves and how life works and how we seek to live our lives in response to that understanding, that story that we're living under. It's why when we gather as Christians, we tell the stories from the Bible to remind us about the truth about who God is and what he is like. Because it's only in that that we understand our true identity and purpose and the meaning of life. It's why the reading of scripture and the, and the talking about scripture is so important. So this week we're focusing on telling our story as part of God's big story as revealed in the Bible. Do you remember at the beginning of Acts, uh, as Jesus is about to ascend to heaven, he's gathered with his disciples and he says to them, you will receive power 
and you will be my witnesses. That was his word to the disciples and those that would come after him. You will receive power and you will be my witnesses. That's you and me, people. We're Jesus' witnesses. And a witness is really something very simple. It's just someone who says what they have seen and heard. And as Jesus' witnesses, we have a story to tell about the difference that Jesus has made in our lives, what he has said and done, and that you and I are simply called to bear witness to that to other people. So as we look at this theme today about uh, telling stories, gossiping the gospel, what is it that we can learn from that story that we have read to us from John 4? A story that I'm sure is familiar to many of you here. It's the story of Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. And just before we dive into the passage, let me just ask you this question at the beginning. Did you notice how this conversation between Jesus and the woman started? You can look in your Bibles if you've got them with you. A question. It started with a question. Isn't that interesting? It started with Jesus simply asking the woman a question. The theme of last week's sermon was the practice of learning to ask good questions because it opens up conversation. And here today is the story of Jesus at the woman at the well after he asked her, can you give me a drink? You see, each of us has a story to tell. And our text today is about the story of Jesus changing the woman at the well and her response to her conversation with Jesus. Do you remember what happened after Jesus had met her and had that conversation? Can you remember from the text after he's asked her for a drink of water, he tells her a bunch of stuff, what happens? What does the woman do after she's finished her conversation with Jesus? She goes back to her village and she tells everyone about the man that she had just met. She tells her story and as a result, they come looking for Jesus because they want to meet him for themselves. So what I want us to do now is just look at this story and just see what is it that we could learn from the way that we might tell our story or what we might learn to do as we tell our story to others. And the first thing is this. Tell them, tell people that you had a life before you met Jesus. This lady, this Samaritan woman that Jesus met at the well, had a past. He turned to John 4 and in verse 16 to 19, this is what it says. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you are right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is, you've had five husbands, and the man that you are now with is not your husband. What you have said to me is quite true. Jesus knew all that there was to know about this woman. And as she's in conversation there's an honesty about recognising her brokenness. 
And she comes before Jesus and says, this is who I am. This is what's happened in my life. But Jesus doesn't judge her. He doesn't turn his back on her and walk away like all the other people in the village. This woman has come to collect water at midday because she's been ostracised by her community because she's seen as a sinful woman. No one would mix with her. No one would hang out with her. She's pushed to the edges and ignored. But Jesus meets her at the well and he engages her in conversation. She recognises her brokenness, her sinful life, her need for forgiveness. She doesn't actually necessarily say all of that, but she admits in honesty, I've had five husbands, the man I'm living with now I'm not married to. So as you learn to tell your story, acknowledge honestly what life was like before you met Jesus. Recognise your brokenness, your sinfulness, your need of healing, restoration, of God's forgiveness and mercy in your life. In Romans it says all of us are sinful and fall short of the glory of God. None of us is perfect. And so we recognise that we're broken people who need healing and love and grace and forgiveness and mercy. And so as you learn to tell your story, recognise what life was like before you met Jesus. Be honest about who you were, where you were at. But, and this is the big but, don't glorify the sinfulness in your life before you became a Christian. We acknowledge and honestly recognise our brokenness and our need of God's love and forgiveness, but we don't make that the thing and glorify how bad I was before I met Jesus. Don't be too detailed, don't be too graphic, but remember your experiences may well be an opportunity for someone else to help understand or identify where you were before you met Jesus and then when you met him the difference that make. And as you tell your story that may well connect with other people out there. They may well think, do you know what? I was a bit like that. In fact, I am like that. And if you could get saved, well, maybe I could too. So the first thing is, tell them about what life was like before you met Jesus. Remember that we're all sinful. We're all in need of God's mercy and grace and forgiveness. The second thing is, make sure that your story points people to Jesus. Make him the hit hero of your story. It's not all about you, it's all about Jesus. When we tell our story, let's boast about who Jesus is and what he has done. He is the one that saved us, not us. He's the one that has poured out love and grace and forgiveness on each one of us. Irrespective of what we've done or said or thought about in the past, he's died for you in order that you might be forgiven, in order that you might be restored and healed. He is the hero of our story. He is the hero of the biblical narrative of restoration and forgiveness. So when you tell your story, talk about what life was like before you met Jesus. Talk about what life was like when you met Jesus, when you met the hero that saved you. Help other people see this is the man that changed your life. 
like the woman who rushed back to the village in verse 20, 29 and she says, come see this man. You've got to meet him. He's the man that changed my life, that turned it upside down. Come meet him for yourself. And as we tell our stories, that's got to be the pinnacle of it. Jesus the hero, he came, he met me, he turned my life upside down. He saved me. The third point is this. Then tell people what life was like after you met Jesus. Tell them about his resurrection power. He was the man that came back to new life and that he too has now given you a new life. I used to be like this. I met Jesus and now my life is like this. This new life that he has given me, this healing, this reconciliation, this forgiveness that I've received has enabled me to live like this. Explain to people how you responded to Jesus, his offer for forgiveness, his willingness to save me in spite of my sinfulness. Now describe what this new life is like now that he is beginning to restore and heal and reconcile me. And the fourth point I want to make is this. God used this woman to touch many lives. Her past did not matter. God used her in spite of that. Maybe even perhaps because of that. It's interesting, isn't it, to notice the people's response to the woman in the story. If you turn to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him, that's Jesus, because of the woman's story. She met Jesus, her life was changed, she returned to the village and she said, come meet this man, you've got to see him, he's changed my life completely. And as she told her story, others believed that he was the Christ, the Messiah, the one that had come to save and uh, restore. But then, notice also in verse 40. So when, he, uh, uh, so when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two more days longer. And because of his words, many more became believers. So not everyone that heard her story initially became a believer or a follower of Jesus. Some did. But then they urged Jesus to stick around and stay in their village longer. And then more people began to hear his story. And so they too became followers of Christ. They were saved. So not everyone who heard her story had their lives changed. But some did. And so my encouragement to each of us here is to be people that are willing to share our story. Step out in faith. Have a go. Tell people the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Because some, when they hear it, will respond and say, I want to meet this guy too. If he can save you, maybe he can save me too. But not everyone will, and that's okay. Because that's up to the work of the Holy Spirit. 
What we're called to do, remember, is to be witnesses, to say what we have seen and heard Jesus do in our lives. And as we tell that story, so the Holy Spirit works in and through the words that we share. See, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are. It doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, a long time or a short time. This woman had only just met Jesus at the well. And within an hour or so, she's legging it back to her village and telling everyone about who Jesus is. She'd only been a believer for an hour. You see, when we make ourselves available to God and his Holy Spirit, he speaks through us and works through us by the power of his Holy Spirit and he accomplishes what he wants to. When we are obedient and we step out as his witnesses, he does amazing things. So as we come to the conclusion, my challenge to you this week is this. Write down your story. Practice telling it. I'd suggest that you do it in no more than three minutes. That you learn to tell your story in three minutes. And I would suggest that you use six words to hang your story on. Two words that describe what life was like before you met Jesus. Two words that describe what life was like when you met Jesus and understood who he was. And two words that describe what life was like after you met Jesus. Some of you may well remember that the young people were telling their six-word story and had it recorded and shown on our Facebook page about four or five months ago. And my encouragement to you today is to learn to tell your six-word story. Write it down. Practice telling it so that when you get an opportunity to speak to someone, you know what to say. A witness very simply shares what they have experienced. Every salesperson knows that you can't sell what you don't believe in. People can tell a mile away if you're just reading from a manual or you've memorised some spiel or presentation to try and sell a product to other people. The best salespeople are those who believe passionately in what they're selling to the point that they're not really selling anything, they're simply talking about what they know to be true. You talk about what you love. A good salesman will love his product to the, to the extent that it's just him talking passionately or she talking passionately about this thing that she's trying to sell people. It's the same when it comes to the gospel and the good news. If you haven't experienced Jesus' life-changing love, then you can't be a witness for him. What a difference it makes when you share from the depths of your heart and your soul what Jesus means to you. That's the best kind of witnessing. If you know Jesus, you can talk about what he's done for you. You can share how he's changed your life. You can tell how he guides you day by day, how he gives you strength to face trials and courage to conquer fears. You can describe this new resurrected life that you're now living because of Jesus, because he loved you, because he saved you. 
I want to encourage each of us. Learn to tell your story. Gossip the gospel. Now let me just add one piece of final advice before we finish. You don't have to convince your friends, your family, your work colleagues that they need Jesus. Only the Holy Spirit can do that. There's a big difference between telling and selling. If you do the telling, the Holy Spirit can do the selling. You can't do his work and he won't do yours. So as we learn to tell our story, the Spirit can speak through the words that we use he can convict hearts. He can draw people to Jesus. When we're obedient and are living as God's witnesses, the Spirit does the rest. Let's be people that learn to practice and tell our story. I'm going to pray now because hopefully you've written down three names on here. and I want to encourage you to say, Start praying for these people that you get an opportunity to share your story with them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help each one of us to grow in courage and boldness. I pray for a fresh infilling of your spirit uh, and that we might learn to be able to tell our story and gossip the gospel and see your kingdom come. Lord God, fill us, empower us, and equip us, we pr I pray, that we will tell our story with confidence and boldness. And we trust you to do the rest. Amen. Amen.